On today's episode, I will be talking to a former colleague of mine about her journey to becoming a BCBA. This is part two in my ABA career profile series, where I want to highlight the different careers that are possible in the field of ABA for our young professionals and or any individual out there that is interested in working with individuals living with autism. I hope that you will find this information helpful and inspiring and that it will help bring you to the ABA field. Diversity, equity, and inclusion is at the forefront of my push to grow Hmong ABA professionals, and I'm excited for you guys to jump on board. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Let's Talk About Autism in Monglish podcast. On today's episode, I will be doing another ABA career profile, and this time it is with a former colleague of mine. Um, she, when I, we both left a agency recently. Um, she was in the process of becoming a BCBA. She was still a RBT, um, but more like a lead behavior technician. Um, so she was handling a few cases, kind of the liaison between the RBT, which you learned about in my previous ABA career profile on an RBT. So as a lead behavior technician, you're kind of the um, middle management person between the RBT and the BCBAs. And I do want to give some love out there to our fellow BCABAs. So um, like I shared previously, to become an RBT, you need just a minimum of a high school diploma. But if you have your undergraduate degree and you take a few more extra courses to complete the um, credentialing for the BACB, you can become a board certified assistant behavior analyst. However, if you go and get your um, graduate degree, or if you already have your graduate degree, there are still a few um, classes that you'll have to take to fulfill the requirements to sit to become a BCBA, which is a board certified behavior analyst. And today I'm talking with a BCBA candidate, my friend, Kim Moore Townsley. Welcome to the podcast, Kim. Hi, Tia. Thanks for having me. <laughs> of course. Thank you for agreeing to come on. I know you were a little unsure because you were like, Tia, do I have to speak in Hmong? And I was like, no, girl, it's Monglish. You have Monglish, so. <laughs> I know. I was like, oh my gosh, my, my Hmong is not good. <laughs> oh, I've heard you speak Hmong before. You, you do just fine. But I know it's a little... Um, you know, there's very there are variations of Hmong, right? There's like a side Hmong, and then like the very like eloquent Hmong, and then there's like the very classical Hmong, and mm-hmm. all of it's intimidating to me too. So I'm always like, you know, I'm gonna start a new trend. I know Monglish. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Monglish um, is good. <laughs> yes. So Kim and I worked together for gosh, what was it, like two years, um, mm-hmm. and I think you were on a few of my cases um, mm-hmm. as my lead behavior technician. So I, of course, um, I know what it felt like on my end, but I'm sure on your end, you're like, oh my gosh, Tia's crazy. She's asking me to do like all this stuff. <laughs> and you know, it was hard because I had a case of anywhere from six to eight at any given time. And so I'm kind of like, you know, trying to see every kiddo two to three, four hours a week, um, generally, right? And the Kim's the one that's going out there and providing support to the um, RBTs in the home, or she's making stimulus for me, or she's taking stimulus out there, or she's letting me know what's going on. So we have just a little bit of experience together. Um, but yeah, Kim, tell me um, about your experience uh, experiences working in the field of ABA, because I believe um, the clinic that we both came from, that was your first stop, right? That was your first clinic that you ever worked at? Yeah, so the agency that we worked at, that was the only agency I've ever like had my foot into the field of ABA. Um and I was in that position for like a little over 5 years. Wow. Um and I I'm trying to think. And I I worked with I worked with some individuals at the school as well. Um, and then I also, you know, the age range that I worked with was like 18 months to age 21. Wow. So I really, I really do enjoy like seeing all the kids like grow up to be like adolescents and then 
um and then their adulthood which is something Mm -hmm. that i'm also like interested to because it's like you don't really hear about those individuals that leave the program right Right. so i'm always like interested like what happens next you know absolutely so what brought you to aba was it one of those uh jobs that you just kind of like fell into and you're like oh I love this and you stayed or um so with this job um so to like rewind a little bit (laughs) (laughs) it's been five years it's a long time yeah I'm very impressed (laughs) so I like um so I'm a Christian so I was Mm -hmm. attending a a Hmong church actually mm-hmm. and one of the Hmong um, person he had a disability and I think it was like the fear and the uncomfortableness that I felt with around mm-hmm. individuals with disability that I felt like this like I don't know how to fix it right it's like okay mm-hmm. every time someone's acting up or having a behavior like how do I handle these situations mm-hmm. Um, so I think I prayed a lot and I think my solution was actually to be in the field, like surround myself and more of these yeah. individuals. Uh, so I started going to um, this, this other, this agency, it's like, um, the, the, I call it, the, it's the ERC. It's like an, it's like a, a school for individuals with disability and it ranges mm-hmm. from like autism to Down syndrome. Um, so I was in that floater I was going round and round but they always do me in like the hardest classroom (laughs) like there's like behaviors left to right and I just remember one of the teachers there was like Kim you should really go into ABA and I was like what the heck is ABA and (laughs) she was like explaining to me what ABA is Mm -hmm. and she has a daughter who is on the spectrum and at first I was like no, I'm going to continue my four-year education to become a human resources. Uh-huh. And then... Um, which you which you would be amazing at because you're such a good people person. <laughs> I, I enjoyed it until I had to, like, start dealing with, like, truck drivers because that's what oh, I was gosh. doing. Uh-huh. Um, that was a little... That's another story. But, um, <laughs> um, but anyway, so I... I decided, okay, let's just try it out because mm-hmm. what, like, who knows what's going to go. Um, and then I started, I applied at the agency that we're working with mm-hmm. and I started as a BT, so behavior technician. I yeah. wasn't a registered um, BT yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, what the heck am I doing? Because I was doing the same <laughs> intervention every day, every day. right? Yeah. Every day. And I was like, as I just remember telling my BCBA, don't ever do this if you're RBT or BT. <laughs> I was like, this intervention doesn't work. I was just like, uh-huh. whatever we're doing is not working. Um, but what I really didn't see or understand is that um, I was reinforcing the behavior that were that the BCBA was looking for. And mm-hmm. I was just like, why do I keep have to tell him to match a cup, match a cup, you know? I was uh-huh. being very sassy. Um, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, this kid that I was working with, like... Matched the cup. He matched the cup. <laughs> and I was like, whoa. <laughs> what the heck? And so ever since that moment, like, he Aww. and I had this connection. Yeah. And I was just like, I was just at awe at what AB, ABA really truly does yeah. and how it affects the family and yeah. the individual. So that was how I was like brought into this line of work it's it's like very long but (laughs) this is how it was like brought up yeah oh I love that it's uh, I call those when your aha moments where you go oh no no well yeah for the client and for you right you're like Mm -hmm. oh my god it finally clicked after so many like tears and sweat and you know all this stuff that happens right well I'm so glad that um all your prayers brought you to ABA because ABA is so better off with you in it because you're amazing. I see how patient you are with our friends and our staff. And um, I mean, Kim's one of those BTs. I go into the home and I'm like, well, sorry, kiddo, because me and Miss Kim, I think we're going to chat because it's that collaboration part too, right? And uh, I love your insight and your history with the clients because like you said, you were there for like five years because I knew you towards the end of those five years, right? Mm-hmm. And I would be like, um, 
Cam, tell me the history. And you tell me all the things from when they were like little kids. And now they're like about to be teenagers, you know? And so it's really great to have that history and share that because um, I think I think you know which client I'm talking about. There were things where maybe you guys introduced it when he was younger. He mastered it. And then somehow it got brought back, you know, and we're going, oh, he mastered out of this. What happened? Right. And that's mm-hmm. just the nature of ABA sometimes. Right. Like, you know, you teach something, it's mastered, it's a maintenance, and then they lose that skill because maybe we took it off the planet because we thought, OK, he, he got it. But then, you know, that's the beauty of ABA. Quickly mm-hmm. reintroduce, use more motivating items and we get back to where we were so yeah um well okay you told me about what brought you to this line of work but then like Kim what keeps you motivated to stay so much that you were like you came in as a BT and just for clarification that is um, a behavior technician so if you want to be a registered behavior technician you have to take a test with the BACB which is the behavior analysis certification board there's I feel like we use the same letters you know, back and forth, I get how that can be so confusing. And my sister, I had her listen to a few of the podcasts just to, you know, for quality assurance. And she goes, that's a lot of acronyms. I was like, I know, but that's just what they are. You know, you get your ABA, your RBT, your BCBA, BCABA, the BACB, a lot of them. But after saying those over and over and over for a few years, you finally get it. So Kim started off as a BT, she became an RBT, and now she loves the field so much. She wants to sit for that big, big, big exam to become a BCBA, right? So you have your master's and... Uh, I have my master's um, of science in behavior analysis. Um, My school was in, uh, it's Simmons University. Yeah. Uh, It's in Boston. So it it was an online course. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you received your graduate degree and then now you can sit and then you had to take your, you know, um, apply behavior analysis courses um, that were either, you know, uh, intricately, you know, like incorporated into your curriculum. And then now you can sit to become a BCBA. And um, I'm just curious to know, Kim, what keeps you motivated to stay in the field? Um. So, you know, we kind of just kind of touch base on it, like the aha moments. I think those are basically reinforcements to me. Right? Mm-hmm. So it kind of keeps, keeps me motivated, keeps me like, oh, man, like what else can we do? Like what else can we um, what else can we teach? You know, mm-hmm. um, also, since I really like kids and just hang out with kids, sometimes I am like, yeah, let's let's do this. Let's do this. Let's play. Let's do this. Um, so that kind of keeps me motivated and also um i'm trying to think what else keeps me motivated i think it's difficult when you're doing the same thing right like if you're seeing the same person monday through friday but my job i was able to like see different individuals a week Mm -hmm. and that also kind of keeps me motivated because i'm like whoa i get to see john here and then sally tomorrow and then yeah uh, so forth so it gets it gets um it gets me busy and it keeps me motivated yeah, for sure. I um so where we were at, it was outpatient, right? So we saw clients in their homes. Mm-hmm. And so for ABA, there are a lot of different models. There's the outpatient only, or you have some clinics that have in in clinic and outpatient services. And you said that you also provide a support at the schools. Mm-hmm. So that was um nice that you were able to have that experience. Um so, I mean, we already talked a little bit about your uh, path to obtaining your BCBA credentials. So on your way here, Kim, did you experience any barriers or roadblocks? Um, and I, I do want to share, if it's okay, mm-hmm. Kim just told me that she got the approval yesterday yay, from the BACB to sit. And so, yep. yeah, I'm so excited for you to join our um long bcba groups i don't know that an actual group exists <laughs> except for ours <laughs> even then we don't ha- i know we don't have all of them in one place but i'd love to do it um and i share this with uh linda to the rbt you know i'm trying to like start among abba you know like they have like black abba and latina latinx abba i want to do like among abba because i don't know i don't see any like chinese abba or asian abba and i'm like Forget it. I'm just, I just want to do Hmong Ava. Focus, you know, on making Hmong a 
clinicians. So, mm-hmm. Kim, I'm excited to welcome you to that when you pass here in the next month-ish. But yeah, did you encounter any roadblocks or barriers on your way to yeah. today? Yeah. So, um, I mean, I think one of the first things that when you become a beast or trying to sit for the board exam, you see you have to attain the 2000 um, hours, right? Yeah. Um, oh, so it used to be 1500 15. for me. Mm-hmm. In now it's like 2000. Oh me. my gosh. So it's all this math calculation, right? So it's just like, okay, I have to get like 400 and something hours a month and um, a BCBA needs to sign it. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the barriers I would say was um, uh, one of the BCBA that was supervising me, she was leaving the company. <laughs> and Sorry, um, I'm giggling because <laughs> when that BCBA left, Kim was like, oh man, what am I going to do? It's okay, I'll ask you. And then I had to tell Kim that I was leaving too. <laughs> Yeah, so it was actually Tia. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. Um, So it wasn't Tia. Um, But the BCBA was leaving. And so I had to like figure out how I'm going to get my supervision hours. Uh, My school is actually really strict on like – on like paperwork so like if i had Mm -hmm. a new bcba they yeah i have to turn it in immediately and that bcba has to like um and it takes about like two weeks to get it kind of like finalized yes um so it was just like a lot of like like you know heart throbbing moments like oh my gosh am i gonna get it um but fortunately everything kind of all worked out um and i was like very blessed and very thankful that it did because i I was scared that I wasn't going to get my hours because again, you're so with this, with my position, it's like the, the BCBA has to be, um, I forgot what to call it, but like in person, right? Mm-hmm. So the BCBA mm-hmm. that I had to work under, she has to supervise me and then sign it. And then I had to send that form over to the other BCBAs, like from my <laughs> schools. It was just a lot. Okay. Um, it was just a lot of work, mm-hmm. but I did it. And then this, I think another barrier was um, time management, right? Like mm-hmm. it's hard to um, find time with your BCBA that you're supervising or the BCBA may not have time, right? So they're like, oh, well, I can meet on this day afternoon. And I'm like, okay, sure. And then it's like, oh, sorry, we have to reschedule. So yeah. there's always a lot of rescheduling. So that was yeah. kind of a bummer for me because I'd be waiting. And then, you know, I, I just felt like on weekends, my hours would be taken away because <laughs> it's like, oh, I have to meet with this person and they don't show up. And then it's like, oh, I waited my entire time. <laughs> um, so it's just like, it's like one of those things where you just kind of be like, oh, well, you know, kind of have to. That was hard, I would say, but yeah. now and I don't have to do that. <laughs> Just for clarity, I was never Kim's be- mentor BCBA. She was, I was, she was about never. to be, but then I left. And so, yes. yeah, I would have loved to have been your um, supervising BCBA. Um, oh, gosh, what was I going to say? So there's a few things with the supervision Um you worked in a clinic where you had on-site BCBAs and like it was yep. kind of like built into your role, right? Mm-hmm. That you knew they would provide supervision for free, you know, and you were able to advance to that role as a lead BT. So then that was understood that, you know, while you were studying to be a BCBA, you would get that mentorship and the, um, your supervision hours were uh paid for you right like just by you working but there are some bcba candidates out there that actually have to pay for those two thousand hours can you imagine yeah they were had to like pay per hour and and a bcba's out there somewhere charges like i don't don't put a number to it i mean can you so like anyone listening the route to go is to find a clinic that will pay for you to work there while you're accruing your supervision hours but also kim i know you talk about my time management and mathing is hard for us in the field because we stop counting at 100. <laughs> you know, like yeah. I always tell people, they're like, oh, is there a lot of math? I'm like, when I was teaching um, at a university, the students were like, do you have to know math? I was like, can you count to 100? You're good. You just need to, you know, like that's as far as we go, right? Like I, in our percentages and all that stuff. Um, and I say that jokingly, but it's actually kind of true. And so um, 
mathing is kind of hard, but thankfully the BACB has put together that amazing document, Excel document. Mm -hmm. And I feel super old saying this. I come from the days where we had paper forms and we had to do all the calculations and quality points counted differently. And so like if we met in a group, then that meant it was like 50% of that. And then if we had like, you know, two different BCBAs, we had to do two different sets. Oh my gosh, it was a nightmare. But eventually it ends Kim so congratulations you're you're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel yes (laughs) oh my goodness well um you know you're right you know with the whole rescheduling and everything it just feels like it postpones everything right because you're kind of like budgeting your time wisely and then life happens and things fall through but I'm glad you're at the end of that um and so yeah I guess that that those are just some barriers and roadblocks but like how about your mentorship experience um which is if I remember correctly is one of our colleagues mm-hmm. um and uh you know what was that like and how would you change or improve the way that you would provide mentorship to others um, so I I would say I was very blessed and thankful. Um, mm-hmm. So I would say not all schools, like if you're getting your master's in ABA, do this. But with the school that I was attending, um, they provided an individual mentor that counted. Oh, nice. And they provided a group mentor that counted. Okay. So then I just needed an on-site BCBA oh, wow. that provided like, you know, maybe an hour and a half of mentorship because the rest was covered right so you needed like five percent or certain amount of percentage to Mm -hmm. um have your things supervised so anyways um i was very lucky because of that so i didn't really need like you know three different bcbas yeah like a group mentor like a group individual or Mm -hmm. person to be with um I just needed one and then my school provided the rest, which was really, really awesome. I don't know. Like if I always recommend my school, even though it's like, Mm -hmm. it's pricier, but it's also like they provide you like the mentorship and that's like awesome. And they're different states all the time, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I had one mentor, but he, he stayed in Florida and he was, he was awesome um our colleague that we were just mentioning I think Mm -hmm. she was also very awesome I think the best thing about um building relationship with other people is that they trust you yes um and so she really trusts me in handling like behavior intervention plans um Mm -hmm. programming um okay we're gonna do parent um training Kim let's let's talk about how we're gonna do this um, and she was very chill. I think that was like, yeah. the best part. She was like, so chill. So she was like, yeah, that sounds great. And if I did something wrong, she she would just point it out, but never reprimand. You know, yeah. it was, I think my experience was awesome. I would just well, say good. so myself. Um, some things I would change. Again, it's, I think I'm more, um, I think the only thing that I I am different from the BCBAs or the mentorship set experience is like I'm very um on the dot. So I'll be like, uh-huh. okay, we're meeting at seven thirty. Be there. Like, I will be there at seven thirty, and I will make it like a continuous thing. Um, but I get it. Life happens. Um, right. So, and I think one thing too, as a B, as you're um sitting for the board exam. Um, just be adaptable and flexible, which, yes. you know, you kind of have to, especially yes. when another person, you can't control another person's schedule. So right. you kind of have to be flexible too. Absolutely. You know, I think that's the one thing that um, working with the specific agency that we both came from, if that mm-hmm. if that agency taught me anything, it was just being more flexible because so many things happen all the time, right? Because yeah. um, I... I mean, I openly admit this. I I can be fairly rigid just because uh, previously, um, just because in order to, for me to keep everything orderly, you know, it's like, it has to happen like this, 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 this. And then I I see our colleague, your mentor, and I'm like, "Hmm, she's also a BCBA, but she's, she's doing okay. And and she's very, you know, like chill, you know, so I'm trying to like take little things from from all my colleagues that I'm, I, I, you know, interact with be like, all right, I can, I can see how that can work. So, um, you know, we both ended up at the same clinic after we left and she's still chill. Like things will go awry and she's just like, it's all right. I'm like, 
uh no (laughs) (laughs) so i'm like wait wait wait, hold on back up what does she do okay yeah i I need to do a little bit more like that so and it's wonderful too to kind of like get that mentorship from a variety of BCBAs and learn a lot of those different styles. And I'm sure for you as a lead BT, I could not imagine how that was like to work for like, oh my gosh, how many BCBAs did you have at one point? Like four or five or six of us, you know, and everyone had, oh my gosh, everyone had their own different style. One. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Let me start over. Everyone had their own personality. Yes. Then their own style of ABA, of doing ABA, their own style of data collection, their own style of VIPs, their own style mm-hmm. of just everything. And you, Kim, as LBT, had to learn all of them and then teach it to the staff. So kudos to you for all those years learning how to do all that and manage and do well, because I felt so bad when I, I learned that that's how things kind of like were operating. I was like, so Kim, are you saying that my data collection style is different from hers and then you had to learn mine and hers and theirs and you're doing fine you know like I couldn't believe it it was so crazy it, it was crazy uh, no, I was kidding it was actually easy once like I kind of realized that okay everyone's measuring um the same behavior everyone's it's just it the just way looks different it just looks different yeah. everyone's everyone's still collecting behaviors it's not like yeah. you're collecting how many flies <laughs> or something um it was still um it was still data collection that i was oh this is this simple makes sense okay got it let's go on (laughs) and and, uh for the listeners so it was all paper data right Uh, i tried to introduce excel excel data collection and it only worked for one client for one staff because it was just a little too much but um electronic data collection is going to change everyone's lives once every clinic jumps on board so you know mm-hmm. everyone's taking it the same way um well let's see Kim. i know we talked about you know what brought you here what's keeping you here where you're going from here but um i know that we talked about the monglish part and it's okay if you're like oh i'm just gonna say you know whatever you're comfortable with but um the podcast is um for anyone right that uh, would like to hear an episode about autism but um we like to interject with some mong just in case we have some mong listeners um and i'm just curious to know you've been in the field for five years you were mong and you said you went to a mong church with Mm a um a kiddo there that had autism no, no, had autism or was, had like some um, other disability. Okay, yeah. So you're keenly aware of you know the impact of autism in uh, in general, but then like even in our Hmong autism community, right? So, uh, what is a message you like to share with the Hmong autism community in an effort to raise awareness and promote acceptance? Um, I think I think the first part is um that as a Hmong community, like, we really need to um, be supportive. I think mm-hmm. that's, like, the main thing. It's, like, be supportive. Um, I think sometimes in our Hmong culture, you know, it's, like, oh, the reason why a certain kid's like this is because blah, blah, blah. Like, it's a lot of self-blaming. Um, okay. And I think we really need to, like, look at the bigger picture and because autism isn't by what you've done in the past it's okay it if you talk about autism it is it's not because oh I choose to have autism (laughs) it's not a choice to have autism and I think we really need to educate our Hmong families and um, our culture um about individuals with disability and be aware of mental health as well. Um, my one of my aunt, her daughter has autism, and mm-hmm. my mom lied to me. Oh, <laughs> my mom said, "Oh, the doctor wanted um, That's why Vincai um, told me that." And I was like, "Okay." And as a seven-year-old, you know, you're mm-hmm. like, "I don't want to get a shot from a doctor," you know, oh. because mm-hmm. you know, you see, you see this other kid's behavior who's like running outside naked and all that stuff and you're like oh I don't want to do that I'm scared you know um but so you were seven when your mom told you that 
Yeah. So if my mom was educated and I mean, she is educated, but she's not like aware of this area. Right. right? Mm -hmm. So she was, she said things that I was like, okay. But then I talked to her recently and she goes, yeah, you didn't know she had autism. Mom, you told me this thing when I was young. Oh, and yeah. It's it's more. I don't know if it's like the idea of um, you know, you're teasing your kids or something, mm-hmm. or you truly didn't really know why this kid had it. You know, out outing you or aging you when uh-huh. you were seven was that like twenty years ago? Um, yes. 20-ish years well, ago? Yeah, 20-ish years. 20-ish yeah. years yeah. ago. <laughs> so 20-ish years ago, um, oh my gosh, what year are we in? Uh, okay, early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Um, at that time, even the BACB wasn't in existence. It was like still in its formation, right? And so mm-hmm. um, early 2000s, I got into the field in 2006. And at that point, we didn't have BTs. We were called habilitation technicians, right? Or like mentors or whatever. So like the field was still so young um, and not really tackling ABA or autism the way that we are now with, you know, like a whole credentialing field like this, right? A board or licensure, all that stuff. It was just everyone trying their best. And so, yeah, and and that's in our mainstream uh, community. So imagine in the Hmong community, hiya, chibal, right? Hiya. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, and mm, if I may say so, hiya, hi, lu, hi, lu. It doesn't make sense like that, right? Like, oh, right. she got a shot and now she's like that. So, yeah, I can totally understand why your mom, you know, used her best educated guess to share with her <laughs> seven year old, like, you know, that's what happened. But also, too, though, if we look back, Kim, could you, do you think maybe, like, because, you know, a few years ago, um, I mean, I think us in the field, we've been trying our hardest to debunk this debate about like, you know, do vaccines lead to it, right? Do mm-hmm. you feel like maybe that's where she got that idea that, you know, she got a shot and then afterwards she changed or something like that? Yeah, you know, there was there was a case. Funny, I was I took this course. Um, yeah, I took a course about autism spectrum disorder uh-huh. and they mentioned that um, the FDA was like, oh, yeah. Um, this certain vaccine causes autism, okay. but years like years later, um, they did in ABA. We're a science nerd, okay? We are. So yes, we are taking data. So they're taking data on like, okay, this vaccine. We're giving it to these these individuals. Mm-hmm. Do they have autism? And it showed that none of these um, individuals had autism, and it was mm-hmm. actually the scientist or whoever wrote it, the paper. He lied. Yeah. And he went to jail. Yeah. And so it showed that vaccines that are given to us, it's been tested multiple times. Yes. Okay, guys. It's not like <laughs> it's not like, okay, um, it's a it's not like that. It's been tested. Um and it's just I just I guess I feel like uh maybe my my Hmong culture, you know, they 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 heavily believe in all these like mong chua, right? Mm-hmm. And I I don't know how I feel about it yet. I don't know, yeah. I don't know about you, Tia, like how your parents taught you, like, oh, hold up, branch, you know, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you'll feel better, you know, if I do this, you'll feel better. Um, and so it's just like, I think maybe that's where a lot of today, like traditionally, it's still like, oh, well, he's sick. Okay, let's just one name. Oh, he's this. Okay, let's just do this. You know, like right. It's a lot of um religious and I guess it's like like I guess cultural beliefs. Yeah, cultural beliefs. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like you can try all the things, you know, and um, you never know what's gonna work, what's gonna stick. You know, when you put your faith and belief in one thing, but when you do do it with all your heart, you know. But then, like, you know, it's really hard because then with autism, it's like, you know, yeah, I don't discourage anybody to, from doing any of the cultural stuff. If that helps them, your family members feel like they're contributing to your overall wellness, then sure, mm-hmm. do it. If praying and going to church helps with your overall overall wellness, do that, right? But then if your doctor says, hey, ABA can help, 
then do that, right? Try it all, you know? And so there are a lot of uh, detractors out there who just like, don't do this, just do this. It's like, Mm -hmm. but what if that doesn't lead you to any progress over X amount of years? At which point do you say, hey, let's look at our other options, right? So, you know, and that's part of the whole awareness part, right? I feel like in the mainstream media, maybe we are at acceptance, right? But in our mom community, we're still at awareness. You know, we're a few years behind. We're still, you know, just even talking about it, which is kind of why I started the podcast, right? Even if it just sits there, at least when that parent goes to Google and goes, autism mom i hope that my podcast will show up and they'll listen to it and just feel like oh well they didn't talk about autism yeah you know and mm-hmm. you know and it's just a little bit easier on the ears to hear you so i mean that's my hope for this you know that we can just work on awareness and hopefully mm-hmm. make gains towards acceptance so um speaking of awareness we um one of the, the last cases that we had before i left um, was with a very, very sweet gal. And uh, she was very curious to know um, about our culture. And every time we would consult with that kiddo, we would just chat about, you know, all the things that our friend was like, <laughs> the funniest story when she was like, what? You eat rice with water? What does that taste yeah. like? <laughs> and I was like, girl, it tastes like rice with water. You just put rice in a bowl, you put water, and then you eat it. She's like, and then what? I'm like, you eat it. I think it was so, like so hard describing it to her when it was so simple to us. I know. It but was, you know, I, I love that she was willing to be open to hear about it, right? And mm-hmm. then like, um, right? She wasn't criticizing. She was just really confused. Like, what does that mean, rice with water? <laughs> so we would, and then we would tell her a little bit more about just some of the cultural norms, you know, <laughs> that is so like foreign to her. Um, and I remember you, you sharing, um, about you know something that your dad had said to describe uh, autism to other Hmong people and I can't remember if he said it in Hmong or English but the way you said it I was like why am I not recording this why am I not writing this down because this is perfect because if I could capture this and put it out there into the world so that or even right um autism autism uh, and this is something that we talk about on the podcast before uh, you know this is kind of a buzzword out there that a lot of people in this field don't like to use but uh, autism and then uh, you know because we don't have a word for autism 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 right um actually to explain it it's going to require a few sentences and those mm-hmm. sentences you know i just talked about this in my last um episode is like it's it's black and white but at the same time it's so many shades of gray too because you can say so then you kind of generalize and go okay Every person with autism, when I talk to them, they won't look me in the eye. And then you meet the one that does, and you're like, well, then they don't have autism, right? So it's really confusing for us to explain that to Jalal. So, Kim, will you please share with me again um, what your dad uh, said to describe autism to um, other Hmong people who are curious to know, like, uh, um, be... I'm slowly coming around to this word. Um, you know, the first word they'll say is right? And it's easy to say to call uh it exists already. So and I hate that word so much. I, I it hurt my heart just now just to say it because mm-hmm. um does not apply to our kids with autism at all right mm-hmm. uh, in fact they're very smart they're very bright in their own way and it's our job to unlock that and so when mom people immediately go to that word i'm just i'm like oh cringe you know because i'm just like how can i explain this to you in a way that makes sense that can build compassion in your heart empathy in your heart to understand that there's so much more that you're missing out on and can we please shift as a community to 
overcome using or, you know, uh, defaulting to this word and seeing it with different lens. So Kim, I'm going to stop talking and let you tell me, what did your father say? I hope I get to meet him sometime so I can tell him, thank you so much. Um, yeah, I will say, thank you. So I'd love to hear it. We should have got him on the podcast because he would have. <laughs> will you bring him job. next time? If we, if I, we, can we arrange something? I'd love to. Yeah, I mean, he okay. would love it too. <laughs> okay, well, all right, come. We're going to do a, another episode with you and your dad next. So, yeah, please. It, so, when I try to describe like my occupation to my, mm-hmm. my, my parents, I, I, I don't really know if they understand. But somehow my dad understands it because he, because I forgot what happened. I was talking to uh, one of my cousins and she's from like Wape and mm-hmm. she's like, what do you do? And I was like, I work with kids with disability. And just like that word disability mm-hmm. is like, what the heck is that? Right. And yeah. um, I looked at my dad and I was like, dad, can you help me? <laughs> yeah. So um and he kind of said it like you Tia he's like you know something not um legit you know mm-hmm. um it's just um he said like uh it's it's like functioning differently mm-hmm. and um he said it where he started describing things I I did and I was like how do you know I did those but he's like you know like Kim uh Kim goes to their school and Kim um you know mm-hmm. she uh she's she works at their house too and she teach them you know um um uh, you know like so um so the idea so so you know through and you know he was mm-hmm. like explaining yeah. all the details for someone that doesn't understand what the this looks like or what okay. I do. Um, I'm trying to think of the word he said, but he, he said it in a way where I'm like, whoa, I didn't even know like that word exists. Okay. And so I I wish I had my dad here to be like, Dad, can you explain? <laughs> yeah. How far away does he live? <laughs> <laughs> he lives about 20 minutes. <laughs> oh, yeah. But well, no. yeah, he, he really emphasized the, um, that, you know, what you're saying, like, right because everyone mm-hmm. everyone says that um he but he really emphasized um oh you know mm-hmm. Lulu, um it's just different uh-huh. um, right yeah mm-hmm. yeah so i i think that was that's where i was like whoa i didn't even think about that because like you're yeah. saying mong is so black and white but a lot of grays yeah, yeah. Um, and um I just remember this one time at the agency we were working at mm-hmm. Tia. They're yeah. like, "Oh, can you explain um, all these things, these medical diagnoses, to someone in your culture?" And I just was like, "How do I do that?" <laughs> because yeah. it was so it was so hard because we don't have mm-hmm. the terminology, mm-hmm. and um, you know, if you don't have the terminology, you don't know how to generalize it. You know, so it was really hard. right. There are some literature out there, but in pertaining to autism, it needs to be updated. Much like even in like um our you know our uh, our mainstream literature, it's been able to adapt and be updated within like the last ten years. Same for our Hmong literature out there from medical terminology and everything. Um, the way you word it, right? Is it person first? Is it person centered? You know, does it look at the person or is it looking at the diagnosis? You know, even that needs to be updated. So yeah, mm-hmm. well thank you, Kim, for sharing that. I absolutely would love to have your dad on the show and just share <laughs> that because I think it starts at the top. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, y'all, you um, so let's say, for example, you are young and you have a child on the autism spectrum and you get all your information about life from your parent, and they get their information from their parent. And the message is what disability gay, yali, nali, nali, nali. And then you grew up thinking that that's your framework. And then, and then it's your child. And you're like, no, that's not true. You know, mm-hmm. the, only barrier 
right? Halutope, or, um, you know, like I said, unlocking that, right? And that's mm-hmm. kind of our, that's the beauty of our job is that it is our job to unlock that because we know the potential is there. And that's where ABA comes in to, as a, to use as a tool to unlock that. But even so, I will say, you know, you can bring any, you can't bring just anybody into the field and say, here's all the ABA tools you can use, go out mm-hmm. and do magic. If you don't have a true heart and passion for this, you're not going to lock anything, right? You're just going to get really frustrated and burn out and you're going to leave. And that's fine too, because, you know, we want people to stay who are passionate, right? Who are here for the right reasons, who are going to do the same thing every single day until we get the to those aha moments, you know? So mm-hmm. thank you, Kim, for joining me. And thank you for just sharing your journey to becoming a BCBA. I'm excited to hear when you pass. And I'm just excited to see how many more lives you're going to change. And I'm just so grateful to know you. Thank you, Tia. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. เกียร์กูอยากว่าเงี้ยตุ้มหมอเลยกูอยากทําให้หมออ่าแทนเบลีหมออยากกูตูนใส่เลยอ่ะเนินเกินเดาตาขอว่าเกชเชฟเฟอ
ปาชตอลกอลนะหลอกูยิงเจ้าเสียเฮเตียกูจิตูเสียดอนึเอกูเจ้าเสียใจซะเกนเดคอนเดกูซากะเปเสเดยาตอลอซีฟูซาซะเ